Welcome to White Market. I'm Ruth Kuraya. If you're feeling adventurous with your language skills, if not, I'm Ruth Korea. It's probably easier for you. Today we're starting off with a bit of world music with a Minghe Mbala. And we've just listened to a Sinatured Sal. It's available on Free Music Archive, thanks to us. That's right. A few sessions ago, I've challenged myself to upload a new record to Free Music Archive every week. And so far, it's been okay. Uh, so if you want to find out a bit more about White Market's collection on Free Music Archive, you can go to our brand new website, whitemarketpodcast.co.uk. That's also where you'll find out the download links for every single song you're about to listen to the next hour. Now kicking off with Latino Resistor. Llegó la hora is a collaboration with between Rafir Alfiro and El Malito here on the remix version by Lata. Hope you like it. Hello creatives, Jay here and no don't worry you've not stumbled into the wrong podcast. This is 99% Perspiration. We bring you interviews and advice from today's creative and artistic professionals so that you can get the inspiration, the confidence and the know-how to turn your creative calling into a career. You just heard from Ruth Karaya, and that was the introduction to one of her white market podcasts. Like a lot of people recently on 99% Perspiration, Ruth has a large intersection of different tastes, things that she's passionate about. And as well as the White Market podcast, she's previously worked in a couple of roles at Nintendo of Europe and has also started her own crafts company called Roots Loot. Also joining us on today's 99% Perspiration is Stephen Pritchard. Stephen is the executive director of Dot to Dot Active Arts, which is an independent artist-led collective. It's really quite an interesting site, and we recommend you check that out. It's dot to dot activearts.org. Stephen is also researching a PhD in community-engaged arts. Someone starting out, it's very difficult if you don't know people. It's very difficult if you do not do what the state wants. Increasingly, projects and funding are only available to to people, artists, organisations, if you if you follow their initiatives. You can find us online at 99podcast.com, follow our Twitter, which is at 99podcast, or join our Facebook creative community group. Just search for 99% Perspiration. This is episode 18. Radio has always been a big passion for Ruth. That's the industry she was hoping to go into after university in Portugal. I had a friend But then life took a different turn when she was successful in an interview before. for Nintendo and of Europe in Germany. He found the job very accidentally. He doesn't care about video games. When he got it, it was advertised as like text editor or like proofreader, something like that. It didn't say for what it was. It just said it was like a text editing position. And then he was called and then he got the job and I was I went crazy about it. It's like, I can't believe you're going to work for Nintendo. That's so cool. That is so awesome. And yeah, a few months after that, some vacancies opened and he got in touch with me and asked, are you interested? If you are, send your CV to this person and whatnot. So I went to the interview in January 2013. And I spent a few days there in Frankfurt and then came back to Portugal on my birthday 
on the first flight in the morning. It was it was such a crazy day. Uh, I got the flight back from Frankfurt to Lisbon at like six in the morning. Went to work that same day. So ten, I was like clocking in. He, yes, let's go to work. And then at four in the afternoon, I got a call from Germany saying, "Oh, you got the job. Do you want it?" It's like, of course I want it. <laughs> And it was such, it was such, I think it, it was probably the coolest birthday present, isn't it? Got a job at Nintendo and, and yeah, then they had to sort all those things out, like paperwork and whatnot. And it started in February and it was, it was completely overwhelming. So then at night, because it was a Friday, so I went partying with my friends and then, ah, oh, yeah, it's your birthday. I forget about my birthday. I got a job at Nintendo. I'm going to be a test. It was, it was awesome. Uh, but yeah, it was all because of my friends. So y- you never know. You never know. Your connections are always very important. Sou ano, ar, um ano, dias. Já posso sentir na pele amores e a deixar sua assinatura do sol na cara como uma pintura do cal. The radio slash music market in Portugal is very, very small. So it's very hard to get in unless you know someone. And I didn't know anyone. I I did it all by myself. And it was really, really hard to quit and say, I'm going to put this dream on hold and see what what comes up from Nintendo. Because it's Nintendo. I mean, you can't really say no to Nintendo. And uh, and yeah, it was a good opportunity. I was, I had just turned twenty four, so I thought I'm I'm so young. Like worse comes to worse, I don't like it there. Come back to Portugal, still have all these connections. I've worked for two years here. I know a big big part of the people who are in the business, so it won't be as hard for me to come back in as it was in the beginning. And so I went to Nintendo, I became a game tester, which uh, was quite fun. <laughs> I won't lie. I was, I, was, I was in a special team, though. Uh, being a tester sometimes is not as uh, pleasing as it, might sound, as it may sound. You get to play the same game for like eight months. It can be very, very painful. I was on a different team, though. I was on the virtual console team, so I got to play the old games. And because... My language, Portuguese, wasn't one of the main Nintendo languages. Um, I was in charge of checking the electronic manuals for uh, big games that were not translated in Portuguese, like Pokemon or Zelda, uh, Animal Crossing. And yeah, I got to play those without worrying about debugging them. Just making sure I understood what was happening so that I could check the manual and make sure everything was fine. And then there was a, a an opening at the online marketing department for a junior online content coordinator. It's a very long job title, but it's Germany. And I got the job. I got the job because when I was doing the music promoter thing, I was doing online marketing. I was completely into it. I was used to dealing with content management systems and social media and whatnot. I went from being the one person in charge of everything that was online, like newsletters, social media, you write it, you put it online, you do everything. And then at Nintendo, I was one p- very small part of the whole engine. My main task was to put content online. It wasn't even, I didn't have to come up with text, didn't have, I would have to basically order the things from the designers, say, 
these are the assets make me a banner make me this make me that and uh, and and i would have to gather everything from all the languages there was like eight languages and then put everything online so eight languages 15 websites nintendo that that's what i did and then i quit <laughs> and then i quit um i was having a good time there but uh nintendo laid off uh lots of people and um and my boyfriend was one of those people it was terrible because we when we had when we heard the news that he was going to be fired we had just moved in like the month before we were on holiday in portugal and he started getting these really weird messages saying oh i heard about it and i'm really sorry and and after like the third or fourth people he was like i have no idea what you're talking about so there was this meeting where they knew that everybody that was on an external contract would be fired and uh, and yeah he was one of those people and the options was either we stay there and he will struggle tremendously to find a job because he speaks no german we come to the uk i speak english well he's he's from the uk or we go to portugal and everybody knows that portugal has no jobs and no money and it he speaks a bit portuguese but probably not enough to find a job uh, at least one of one that he would enjoy uh so we decided the best option would be to come here so i quit my job at nintendo and i came here and there are lots of jobs in online media um online marketing and whatnot and i figured well i've got nintendo on my resume so uh, it shouldn't be too hard to find a job it became way harder than we initially expected like my my cv i have a love hate relationship with it because every time i upload it somewhere they call me like the next day it's like oh you you see me it's amazing you're looking for a job is like yes i am uh don't really have a a position for you right now but we would really like to find you something but then nothing happens i was also a bit unlucky i had uh, an interview where i was told that i was too qualified to do something but they wanted a very very specific thing they wanted a a portuguese speaking person um with social media and online marketing experience and video game industry experience. So what are the odds that I have all of them and then oh no you're too experienced because they didn't want to pay because I said I'm not going to do this for less than a certain amount. Uh and they said ah oh, no we're going to pay less than that. It's like well then I I don't want because it, it it's not worth it for me to move all the way like to the other side of the country and this is my stories <laughs> i think that um, the art world uh, as it's defined has always been a very hierarchical system artists have have often struggled i think part of the problem of course is with the the definition of artists as a profession rather than as part of life which it used to be more of an artisan uh, everyone was an artist perhaps and uh, with the commercialization of the art world and increasing co- uh, commercialization i think that it's it's led to a situation where hierarchies have developed i think some of them have been around for a very long time such as the the well the very wealthy patrons um of the arts 
and I think there's a new level of hierarchy, which is the administrative class. And through the new public management and through new labour times, the art world is increasingly professionalised. And with that has come a whole class of people, not just curators, but managers and administrators, who wish to, to obviously help develop the field on the one hand, but also help develop their careers on the other. And I think that all of these things push artists further and further down the pecking order, if you like. In my mind, Roots Loot would slowly grow into a, a community of crafters and I would have a podcast about crafty people. Maybe a bit uh, like you have the 90, uh, the 99 Perspiration, but dedicated to arts and crafts. It, it is a very interesting community and you, you'd be amazed by the things people can make with with sometimes almost with nothing really there are so many talented people and even just around the area like I every now and then I go to uh, Tynemouth market and I love it and yeah there are so many people around the area that that have crafty talent and uh, not many people know about that I guess I think it would be a good idea to to get them together because you you also learn a lot from other people but you can't just live in a cave and and expect everything to happen and expect you to learn things you learn things from other people mostly and the internet but the internet is made by other people so then again you always learn with other people in my mind Roots Loop would become this place where people could find out about each other's work mainly dedicated to the region of the northeast that would be my ultimate goal to be a, an online marketing coach for crafty people Stumbling blocks are often created by administration, by by technocracies, bureaucracies, and the, again through the hierarchy. So someone starting out, it's very difficult if you don't know people. It's very difficult if you do not do what the state wants. Incre- increasingly, projects and funding are only available to to people, artists, organisations. If you if you follow their initiatives, so they define project they define its outcomes or intended outcomes aims objectives whether you need to be in partnership with universities other arts organizations local councils what have you and then you effectively either tick the boxes in which case you might get some funding or you try and do your own thing in which case it becomes uh, or you work with communities and what they want and and if that isn't in line with the with with the system with what's wanted at that time, and that's very fickle. It changes from buzzwords, new new initiatives, well-being, diversity, whatever. All of these things are important, but they drive what they drive projects, they drive what what you can get funded for. Um, and I'm not suggesting that you should get funding all the time. And it's really important to do work that doesn't. And and I do work. We as dot to dot do work, which sometimes don't have any money for, and we just do it. But in order to to make a living. There's always some form of compromise involved. And the best way to avoid that compromise, I find, 
um, is to to self-organise, to work as a collective, to 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 become greater than the sum of of, of one individual's parts, um, to to help each other um, and support each other, and build a brand, a brand of individuals, a brand or brands, which is a different sort of brand from the commercial brand. It's very much a brand that says we are artists and we work together and we can do great things for you, for, for communities, with communities, whether or not it's the flavour of the, the month at the moment. Um, I, I, I don't think it should be so important. And so we, we can, we can self-organise and we can also have a voice which says, you know, we and that the communities we work with need um, more say. We need more say about what we want to do and the communities what need more say about what they really want artists to do if they want artists at all so it's very much a grassroots sort of thing you know from the bottom up rather than the top down um, and I think that only by organizing through things like the artist union through collectives um, can you can you um, stand any chance of having a voice in an increasingly uh, in, a, in a world increasingly dominated by by large organisations, which are ultimately governed by you know the, the whims of the state. Mera. Well, there, there are people that make very unique things and that all, always stands out for good or bad. Depends on your taste and what you make. But find ways to make your, your things stand out. Because, say sewing, for instance. There are two tote bags. They have the exact same shape. If they are exactly the same, if one is displayed in a caring way and the other one is not, you will instantly go for the one that has some pizzazz to it. Care about your brand. There are a few things that are so simple. It's not just about business cards. Business cards are cool because people can just take and get home and go to Facebook or Instagram or wherever you have it. But there are so, some things that are so simple and people just don't care and they don't even cost that money. I've created some tags with stickers. It's a sticker with Roots Loot logo and URL that's it. It costs me £10, £15, tops, with shipping. And it's like 250 stickers. The stickers like for my whole lifetime. And, and a few like paper craft tags. And all I have to do is put the sticker on the tag, put a hole on it and a little, a little bow, like a little string, and attach it to the tote bag. There. It looks professional. It took 30 seconds and it cost nearly nothing. It's an example, like there are other ways, of course, that you can show that you care about your brand. And yeah, some people just, um, they really don't care. They think just because they make things. The podcast thing that we were talking about, if you don't tell people you're making things, or if you don't tell people that that thing comes from a specific place, you can't expect people to find out about it. But, but there are people that do it very, very well. There is this girl, she makes jewelry, she's from Durham. I found her on Time Off Market. The jewellery she makes is its absolutely lovely. It's super dainty and stuff. But yeah, it made me want to buy her things because it was so nicely displayed and you can see that she cared about it. 
there are more examples, like not so much in a in a crafty way, but like in a small business way. Like uh, there are these guys in Newcastle. They are the the easy teasy guys. They have loose leaf tea, and yeah, they just have their stand at Tynemouth Market with like a few uh, tea bags on display, and it's just very minimal, very simple. It shows that they care instead of just having everything thrown on a on a table, everything on top of each other, and you have to like dig through it to find out whatever you might buy or pro- probably not buy because if it's a mess, then you you don't want to buy. So yeah, like show people that you care about what you're doing, and like if you don't have a brand, if it's just by yourself, like find ways to show people that you care about what you're delivering to them. Even if you just do it as a hobby, you're still delivering some products. It's it's still just basic marketing thing. If you if you show that you you care, then people will instantly feel more drawn to it. Even if it's something that I think I wouldn't really buy this, but they were really nice. They care about what they're doing. They show me how it works and stuff, and and. And it makes me want to buy it, even if I don't need it. And that's 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 how big companies make their money. They make you want to buy it, even if you don't need it. So the, the same principles apply. Just be be caring of your own things and your own products and the way you deliver them to people. <laughs> We have a free network of um, membership organisations, free to join. It's a collective, it's a commons called the Social Engaged and Participatory Arts Network. Its Twitter handle is at Engaged Arts Net. We've got more than 700 followers and 25 active members um, who cross academia, practitioners and organisations as well. Um, with, who work within socially engaged and participatory arts. We we talk within that network and we're very free and we don't agree. So get on to that if ever you get the chance, um, is what I would say. And also Artist Union England, of which I'm a member, um, are open to membership from um, socially engaged and participatory artists as a practice. It's only 30 quid a year and I would join and then perhaps we can make a change. If you wish to find me, you can find me at Etienne Lefleur, so it's as in Stephen the Flower in French, or dot to dot Active Arts, which you can find at, uh, by just googling it, us. My uh, blog is Colouring in Culture, and it's a WordPress blog, um, and I write on there. And I also have a paper coming out um, for my first published paper in the Journal of Curriculum and Pedagogy through Taylor Francis, which is published on the 1st of August. So I guess that's something to promote. And it's on, um, it's called A View is Always Worth It, Socially Engaged Arts Practice in Rural Northumberland. It's worth a read because it's a bit more of a romantically sublime version of, of writing to, to what people might might know me for. Um, and certainly, uh, yeah, and shows a different side, a side that I'm really, really, that's, that drives me. And that is a, a, an understanding of our place in nature and this art as a form of, as, as living as form, as living as part of the world, not as something separate, but very much part, and, you know, part of an experiential process of living. Yeah, that's coming out on the 1st of August anyway, and uh, yeah, it's the 1st of many, hopefully. <laughs>
never stop. Never stop making things. Don't stop. If you become lazy, it's very hard to get out of the lazy ball, the laziness ball. And if you really like something, uh, just 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 don't stop making things that you like. I mean, uh, white market. When it was in Portuguese, it was playing in five radio stations, and I went from that back to the internet again, and and now I'm on Spark. And if you really, really love what you're doing, just don't stop making it, even if it's only on your free time. Like when I was at Nintendo, fair enough, I had a job at Nintendo, but when I was at Nintendo, uh, I was still doing radio on my free time I would come back home at six uh, in the afternoon and I would turn the PC on and the microphone on and then uh, do some research on music and then record my piece and whatnot and then send it to Portugal and the more things you make even if it's a disaster you will learn from it you will probably get new ideas from it you get more experience from it the biggest advice is don't stop because you 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 never know where life is going to take you If you'd asked me two years ago if I would ever see myself here at this moment, I'd say no. I'd say, you, you're kidding. I just came to Germany. Why am I going to move countries again? <laughs> so uh, don't stop. And don't be afraid of trying new things. Also very important. It will give you new horizons. And it, I, I, I really like video games. I really enjoyed working in the video game industry. It was it was a, a tremendous experience, but it's not where my biggest passion is, and I could also learn that from from trying and doing and and going for it and uh, and and yeah, don't 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 be afraid of trying new things, of challenging yourself. Yeah, the limit is always the one that you set yourself, and sometimes things take a really long time, and you have to be so patient and so perseverant and you will lose hope very often and well I did <laughs> a few times and you think oh I'm never gonna make radio again now I'm in Germany like I don't even speak German how can I make radio here and but I can't really make radio for Portugal anymore because like I don't have the time and it's overwhelming and but but then things change and, and if you always manage to hold your passion closely to you even if it's even if you put it on hold for a for a while like say like six months of no radio at all for me if you really love it don't be afraid of going for it again and trying something new and don't stop is i think it's the best advice don't stop keep it going só sei que no chão ficou escrito como um sinal na mão bastou um punhado de sal no chão ficou Thank you so much for joining us for episode 18 of 99% Perspiration. Our guests this week were Ruth Correa and Stephen Pritchard. To find out more information about Ruth and Stephen and keep up to date with what they're up to, then check out the show notes alongside this podcast or head online to 99podcast.com for links to more information. Ah, 
And I also should mention again the music. Uh, Ruth allowed me to borrow them from her podcast, but of course she's borrowed them from somewhere else. That's the beauty of the music that she plays on the White Market podcast. It's music that's freely available so long as you mention who it's by and give them the proper credit that's due. Undoubtedly, I will be butchering their names, but thank you to the partnership of Rafael Aragon and El Malito, remixed by Alata. And also thank you to Amina Embala. Next week on 99% Perspiration, you can hear from Tiffany Rouge in Australia, who does work across promotion, radio, fashion and event planning, and from Ed Westman, who's a freelance video producer in Sunderland, UK. And until next time... Stay productive, stay awesome. Yeah.